The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. It has been said, we all have something to hide... The question is, how strong is that desire? How great is our need to blot out, to obliterate, to forget? Sometimes the mind will disguise reality so completely that nothing can penetrate its mystery. To what lengths will the human brain go to avoid ugly remembrance or to conceal, even from itself, a tragic truth? For the mind can be cagey, evasive, and deny its owner... Even the passage of time. Put yourself in my shoes, Doctor. A man who's, whose mind is a total blank for 40, 45 years. Total blank. No past, no memories. It weighs on you. You can't concentrate on living your life. You can't even plan your future. Because all the time you're saying to yourself, Who am I? Did I have a family? Brothers, sisters? Was I single? Married? Do I have children? Where do I belong? mystery drama, Who is George Williams, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by G. Frederick Lewis and stars Larry Haynes. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and True Value Hardware Stores. I'll be back shortly with Act One. It is Christmas Day. It is also 20 below. The sky is cold and clear and black. We're in Anchorage, Alaska. Two men drink mugs of coffee and listen to the nightly news on the radio. Why not? What else can they do? They're snowed in by six feet of snow. Two weeks ago, reported by an official of the Federal Aviation Administration. Two weeks have passed since the mysterious disappearance of the hijacker who parachuted from North Alaska Airlines Flight 207, which had left Juneau at its regular 6 p.m. time, was forced down at Cordova, where it took on additional fuel and the ransom money. It returned to Juneau 12 hours later. All passengers and crew safe, but no hijacker aboard. It's incredible. It they still haven't found him? Bizarre skyjacking episode in the history of air piracy. A stoop-shouldered middle-aged man extorted $1 million dollars from the airline and thwarted any attempt at capture by parachuting the safety with the suitcase of money over the panhandle. FBI officials have given up their manhunt uh, owing off, to the severe snowstorm 45 miles north of Dawson. The location of this jump was determined by the time a signal light went on in the cockpit indicating a drop in the airplane's air pressure when the hijacker opened the rear door and jumped. What's the matter, George? Why'd you shut off the radio? That bugs me, that's all. It's not just because I'm a law enforcement officer, but when some crazy crook puts a plane load of innocent travelers in danger of their lives with threats to blow up the plane and himself, and he doesn't get what he wants, I boil. Are you sure it's a concern over the safety of lives, or is it anger at the big money the skyjacker got away with? I hate cowardice, Willie. And coming aboard with dynamite is just that. 
It takes a little more than cowardice to parachute out of a 727 with a suitcase of money. I say the man had nerve, and he broke every rule in the book to escape. Well, friend, all I can say is he'll be darned lucky if that's all he broke. What chance for survival do you give a man who bails out at midnight at 20,000 feet? Well, in this weather, one in a million. Now, my dear George, that you've got that off your chest, I'd like to turn the radio back on to hear the weather forecast. And it is reported some 6,000 residents of the coastal area are now returning to their homes. They may not have blizzards down south, but a quake is much worse. Bertram and I have known one another since we went to Anchorage High School together. Willie went into medicine, and I joined the police force. Willie's a widower, and I'd never married, so we generally share the holidays. This cold and blustery Christmas was no exception. We got out the old chessboard, and I was puzzling over a move. <laughs> it's illegal for blacks came to capture the queen. You say... Well, you want to expose yourself to capture by my bishop? What's that? I'm saying your king can't get out of my queen's range. Willie, did you hear something? Only you hoping to find a safe flight square, which there ain't. <laughs> Funny, I thought... Now, it... wait a minute. Are you going to play or talk? Help me. Oh, wait a minute. There it is again. George, where are you going? We're going to take a look outside. What are you doing? Close that door. There's somebody out here. the man inside. He was barely conscious, suffering from exposure, some frostbite. His clothing, a badly torn business suit, and what looked like blood all over him. We undressed him, and Doc Bertram examined him. Uh, contusions about the head, fractured leg. Uh, where do you suppose he came from? Well, I've checked all his pockets. There's no wallet, no labels in his shirt anywhere. No identification whatsoever. How about his shoes? Old... Worn, no maker's mark. How badly is he hurt? I've improvised a splint for his leg and cleaned off the scalp. He should be in the hospital. But how can we get there through all these drifts? Oh, where, where am I? Oh, you're all right. Don't worry. Who are you? I'm Doctor Bertram. Now I'm going to give you a sedative. What you need is rest. Give your body a chance to catch up. Oh, hold on, Willie. Before you put him to sleep, I'd like to ask him a few questions. Uh, how did you get here? I don't know. You don't know what you were doing out there in six feet of snow without an overcoat? I don't know. Where, where am I? Anchorage. You had no idea? I'm in Anchorage. Yes. Anchorage, Alaska. What's your name? My name. Come on now, you heard me. What's your name? Who are you? My my, my name. My, my name is uh. I don't know. You don't know. No, my my name. I. I can't seem to remember. 
We put them to bed, and by the next morning, the snow plows had come through and the roads were open, and Doc Bertram took the man to the hospital. In a very few days, he was hobbling about on a crutch. Well, how's our patient today? I guess I'm all right. And this is Police Chief George Teller. I don't know whether you remember him. How do you do, sir? Um, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Yes, be glad to. Any, anything, anything I can tell you. All right. First of all, did your name come back to you? You know, it's crazy. I, I've tried and I've tried, but I cannot remember for the life of me. Well, don't let it worry you. Sometimes people who have suffered from exposure or shock can become temporarily disoriented. Is that why I can't seem to remember my name? Well, what can you remember? What I've been thinking. And all that comes back to me is that for some reason I had to get to Anchorage. It's as if I had some important reason to get here. So one could presume you don't live in this city. No, I, I don't think so. Well, that would explain why you weren't dressed for our weather. Uh, have you any idea where you're from? No, none. None whatsoever. Well, I'll have to make out a report on you. I'll have to identify you somehow. All right, give him a name, George. Let's see. Uh, how about George Williams? Your first name and mine. <laughs> George Williams. Okay, why not? Any objections from you? Oh, uh, no, no, none at all. George Williams. I'm George Williams. Sure. Willie? Yes? Are you free? I'd like you to come back to the police station with me. Sure. Now? Now. All right, George Williams. You keep on taking your medication. Do what the nurses tell you. and We'll have you out in a few days. Well, I, uh, I want to thank you both for all your patience with me. I hope I'll get my memory back, so believe me. What were you hustling me out of there in such a big rush, George? What's the hurry? You'll see, Willie. Hmm. What's this? You've got a policeman standing outside the door. Why? I wouldn't like our Mr. George Williams to suddenly take it into his head to leave Anchorage. Well, now why would he do that? He has no place to go. He doesn't know where he comes from. Well, I don't get it. Because, Willie, I'm not so sure he isn't faking. Besides, I think I know who this man is. You do? I've sent out a few inquiries over the wire. The answers ought to be coming in about now. Well, what? I was wrong. Look at this teletype, Willie. Are you going to tell me what this is all about? I was positive George Williams was that hijacker. The one who jumped with a million? I was so sure. It all made sense. And he isn't. I sent a complete description on to Juno. Doesn't really tally with the hijackers. Not in any way. Age, height, covering. Well, you tried, Sherlock. I could have told you that amnesia, it is, unfortunately, the real thing. Hmm. So the big question remains. You mean? Just who is George Williams? will tell you amnesia is a form of hysteria in which memory is disturbed. Sometimes only a group of ideas are blacked out. Sometimes proper names. People's names, names of places. Has the curtain fallen permanently across 
this man's yesterdays? And if so, what is it that George Williams has been compelled to forget? I'll be back shortly with Act Two. The mystery of the identity of George Williams continued. The days passed into weeks, and the weeks into months. And the man found in a snowdrift began an entirely new life. It wasn't easy, having no papers, recommendations from previous employers, apparently no special talents. Nobody would hire him, except the police. That is, Chief Teller himself. Twelve months working for the force went by. Georgie, Williams. Did you call me, Chief? Yeah, have a seat. You know what today is? Oh, sure. Tuesday. And uh, what date? Uh, March 1st. Well, does that have any meaning for you? Should it? <laughs> it's been a whole year today since you started working for the Anchorage Police. Oh, that's right. I'd quite forgotten. <laughs> uh, don't start that again. No, no, Chief. So, in honor of the occasion, I was going to give you a chance to actually join the force. A badge? <laughs> a badge. I think you know enough about what goes on here. You've handled almost every detail in the place. I happen to think you can take the police exam and pass it. Does that appeal to you? Doctor, well, you name the day, Chief. And thank you. Oh, I'm not doing any favors, Georgie. I think you've got just the right kind of mind for this work. Of course, I was right. George Williams passed the exams for the highest grade on record in these parts. Whoever he was, he had a fine brain. To start him off right, I put him to work over in Valdez, where the pipeline ends, and very often lots of trouble begins. Chief, you got to be joking. Even after all this time, I'm not so sure it's safe for Williams to be assigned over there. Well, he's either a policeman or he isn't, Doc. But a hot spot like Valdez is just as bad as Fairbanks. You're not too keen on the new pipeline, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> Particularly for what it's done to the people who live along the line. It all started when they were building it. Boom towns have become boomerangs. A lot of tough hombres. I'm not so sure George Williams can handle that. He's well enough to handle himself. Have you thought what might happen if he got physically roughed up? He gets clobbered. I'm only hypothecating now. And suddenly his memory returns. It can, you know. So what's bad about that? He doesn't remember he's George Williams, a cop. You won't know where he is or why. You mean his old self returns, taking the place of his new self? So what good to them is a man in a uniform who doesn't know how to deal with the situation? He wouldn't know even how to snap on a pair of handcuffs. Oh. Jack? Uh, Doc, maybe you got a point. How long has he been down in Valdez? A week. A week? George, if it were up to me, I'd be on the pipe to their police department right now. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'll look into it. sure what to do. Haul George Williams back from Valdez and give him a desk job here in Anchorage or ask the Valdez authorities to ease up on his duties. Either way, Georgia wasn't going to like it. And then something happened to make either choice quite academic. Yes, yes, I put in a call to Captain Brown of Valdez. Put him through, please. Hello, Jack? Did you get my message? We'd like George Williams transferred back here. What? 
What do you mean, disappeared? Well, when did he check in last? Day before yesterday? No trace? That's not good, Jack. Well, I I can't really explain it. I, I think... I think maybe I'd better hop down to Valdez and see if I can help you find him. Yes. Yes, it could be very serious. Disappeared? George just vanished? That's what Jack Brown said. Ah, I was afraid of that. You're going down there? Just as soon as I can, Doc. I'd like to come along. After all, he's my patient. Well, do you want to go tonight? It's not far. Well, can you give me till morning, George? I've got two cases at the hospital that bear watching. Uh, 6 a.m.? You called it. Hello? It's Chief Teller there. Now, hold on. It's for you, George. Chief Teller here. Who is this? George Williams. understand you were looking for me. Well, not only me, but Captain Brown and Valdez. What happened, Georgie? I'm okay. It's Georgie. He's okay. We had a little action here, that's all. You sure you're all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, the captain said you wanted me back in Anchorage, so I'll be there as soon as I can, tell you all about it when I get there. Georgie, uh, can I speak a moment to Captain Brown? Hold on. He just stepped out. We cleaned up a gang who was stealing from me, Alieska Warehouse. Millions. He's gone downstairs to book them. Uh, you played cop or detective, Georgie? A little of both, I guess. Tell you when I see you. Kenny's guys had stolen $2 million worth of trucks, earth movers, anything that wasn't nailed down. Shipped the stuff across the border into Canada for resale. I'll be darned. What kind of security has the pipeline company got? Boy, you try security over 800 miles of tundra and forests and just plain permafrost. Anyway, I was assigned to watch their Valdez warehouse. They'd take stuff from right out of the warehouse? So I got me a job as the warehouse night watchman. When the gang tried to pay me off, I knew I was in the right place. Where did you disappear to? Well, I was on a Hercules cargo plane that used to ferry pipeline equipment up into the Brooks Range. You were on a plane? And three of the gang were flying it to Canada. I, uh, persuaded them to turn around. Then when we got back, I turned the bait. Um, persuaded? Uh, in a manner of speaking. I had to use a little force. And you feel all right? Well, Chief, I was going to ask you. Can I have a few days off? I'd like to go see Dr. Bertram. Something came up and, and I... Uh, I would just like to talk to him about it. What is it? Well, I'm not really sure. You remember something of your past? I, uh, I think so. Well, of course you're going to have time off, Georgie. I suppose nothing's turned up in the last 16 months. Nothing new? No, uh, I personally checked and double-checked every missing person's bureau in the state. And Washington? And Washington. They have absolutely no record of anyone answering to your description having been reported missing. Mm-hmm. You know what, Chief? Whoever I was related to must have given me up for dead. Somebody must think I died. There's no other explanation. It could be. But you may remember, ultimately. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I've always wanted to grow a beard. Now that nobody seems to want to identify me, it doesn't matter. Well, as of now, Georgie, you're off duty. (laughs) Go see the doc and take it easy. Doc, put yourself in my shoes. A man whose memories are a total blank for 40, 45 years. 
Uh, how old would you say I was? Mm, say 45. Total blank. No past, no recollection. I, I'm, I'm like a walking dead man, not a real individual. Even my name is made up. Half yours, half cheap color. Well, that weighs on you. You can't give undivided attention to your life. You can't even plan your future because all the time you're saying to yourself, who am I? Did I have a family, brothers, sisters? Was I single, married? Do I have children? Where do I belong? My advice to you is live from day to day. Do your best. Work your hardest. Enjoy your hours. And if something turns up, then we'll look into it and see if it could be part of your path. Doc, something has turned up. It has? This magazine. Scientific facts. Explain, George. Well, I've been working undercover being a warehouse night watchman in this case in Valdez. I've been up all night for two nights. I was very tired. On my way back to report to the station house early one morning, I stopped at a newsstand and bought this magazine. Well, I understand. Automatic. Yeah, that's right. Without thinking, I bought this magazine. Anyway, I went back to the motel I was staying at for some shut-eye and I pulled down the shades. And when I woke up, I don't know what time it was, I... I sort of lay there. I switched on the light and I started to read it. Yeah? Don't you see? I read it. And what I read made complete sense to me. Articles on scientific research, one in particular, a long article on bone structure and its friability with increasing age. Now, where did I get all that knowledge, Doc? The, the background to understand it. And, and I was half awake. You're thinking you were a man of science, perhaps, in your previous existence. Well, huh? is there any other explanation? That's why I came here to tell you, Dr. Bertram. Now, you're a doctor. Could I have been a doctor? Well, possibly. The mystery is, however, what drew the curtain over your mind? Now, I'd like to tell Chief Teller what you told me, man. Oh, sure, sure. Nice to have you back in Anchorage. And between you and me, that beard you started makes you look very distinguished. Indeed. Surprising what a good disguise it is. <laughs> having a beard these days makes you look far less conspicuous than not having one. Which is an asset for a policeman or a detective. Another year went by and George Williams became one of our best investigators. Most intuitive. Most thorough. There didn't seem to be any length to which he wouldn't go to pursue a criminal. As for his lifetime before his mysterious arrival that Christmas day at my house, that part of his past appeared too deeply embedded ever to reappear. Chief, Chief Teller, listen to this just coming in on a teletype. Have you experts to loan us for a brief inquiry into discovery of human skeletons <laughs> near Salisbury Sound? Find Juno Police. Have we an expert on skeletons? <laughs> In words of one syllable, I'd say no. Chief, where is Juno? Oh, it's about five, six hundred miles down the coast. Well, surely you know where Juno is. Uh, yes, yes. Of course I do. It's just, uh, I was startled by the name. You know someone who lives there, Georgie? I'm not sure. Juno, Juno, Juno. Sort of rings a familiar bell. Oh, well. Would you like the assignment? Oh, no. No, I'm no expert on skeletons. Oh, Willie Bertram says you are. Well, he's exaggerating. I do read a lot, particularly anatomical articles, books. I just seem to take to it. Well, it's all settled, then. I'll wear them to respect you. Chief, you're doing this for me, aren't you? Only 
partly. If we can help another city's police department, why not? All Alaskan law enforcers ought to work together. It's more than why not, isn't it? Well, you know, Georgie, I only loaned you my first name. Maybe someday I'd like to have it back. Maybe someday soon. I'd like for you to remember your own name. I wonder... I wonder if I'll find it in Juno. A king about whom the great Shakespeare has written once cried aloud as follows. Oh, that I were as great as is my grief or lesser than my name. Or that I could forget what I have been or not remember what I must be now. That is what faith is Whether the mystery of his past deepens or is solved, we shall discover when I return shortly with Act Three. When one has lost one's past, every day can be a hurdle, every hour an obstacle. One grasps at straws hardly sufficient to bear one's weight. George Williams is apprehensive about going to the city of Juno. Shall he find out something there about himself? The irony of ironies is that his job is to unearth someone else's secret, not his own. This is the place, Mr. Williams. Right down there. That deserted cottage on the beach. Beautiful spot. So peaceful. It was. In fact, before the tidal wave a few years ago, it was one of the favorite summer spots around here. Now you couldn't sell a house or rent yours here for love, no money. Nowhere along the coast. People are afraid it could happen again. A tidal wave? Well, you must have read about it. Folks started calling Juno the unlucky city. Not long before the big wave, that man hijacked a plane out of Juno and parachuted with a million dollars. And we did find him. I hijacked the plane. Here we are. I'll show you where we found the skeleton. Around the back in the well. Why don't we cut through here between the cottage and the garage? It's quicker this way to the well. See? Where's the bucket? Oh, we took that off when we hauled up the remains. Where are they? Cut it out pretty much in one piece and put it in the front room. Come inside, and I'll show you. Which front room? There are two. The one with the three windows. Say, have you been here before? No, not so far as I know. Well, right, here we are. It's in this police property box. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was nothing else at the bottom of the well but this, huh? I wouldn't say that. Quite a bit of dried seaweed and sand... But that could have washed in when the big wave hit. In fact, it's a miracle this cottage is still standing. It was under ten feet of water. The entire coastline was. Uh, actually, Inspector, I can do a more complete analysis on the remains if you have them brought to your lab. No, I was thinking that too. Is there anything else on the premises you'd like to see? Well, I'll just have a look about upstairs in the two tiny bedrooms. Now, careful of that board. It's loose. You all right? Here, here. Let me help you. Oh, I must say, it gives you great training and anchorage. I didn't spot that loose board at all. Been up to the attic? I don't think there is one. About the pull upstairs in the hall, but... I I doubt it. Nobody ever uses it. Uh, Inspector, before we go back, I'd like to take a turn around outside, if you don't mind. No, not at all. That's what you're here for, Mr. Williams. 
I'll go up to the patrol car and call in for a wagon to fetch the remains. I'll wait for you there. Hello, Central 3. Inspector Barrett here. Central 3 here. Jim, will you send a wagon around to Salisbury South? Will do, Inspector. Oh, and uh, Jim, do you know anything about this Detective Williams they sent over from Anchorage? Know anything? What do you mean? Well, between us. There's something peculiar about that man. Right now, he's standing outside the cottage, looking off into the gulf. He's been standing there, staring for at least five minutes. So? Some people like seawater. Well, never mind. He's coming up the path now. I think I'll call Anchorage when we get back. I'll see you. Over. Over and out. Good morning, Inspector Barrett. Uh, the examination's completed. I'd say these are the bones of a female age about 35, 5 foot 7 inches. Yes. That's all. That's all. Well, I'm afraid these bones were discovered too late to learn much more from them. No teeth, which makes that identification impossible. No bones broken or fractured. Nothing. There's no doubt the skeleton has been subjected to a great deal of water. Do you have any record of who might have occupied the cottage just before the tidal wave? I was just about to call the woman who owns it. She used to rent it out, honey. Then hire herself out as housekeeper and maid, come in and clean the place. Constance Roberts. I ought to talk to her. I'll arrange it. it... Wait a minute. Did you say Connie? Did I? Mr. Williams, this is Mrs. Constance Roberts. How do you do? Detective Williams is assisting us in identifying the... Uh... Uh, yes, I, yes, I know. What you found in my well, uh, you don't have to say it. Now, Mrs. Roberts, what was the last time your cottage was occupied? By me? Oh, not in uh, oh, 15 years. I rented it out for summers. Only for summers? Well, the last couple wanted to stay on a whole year, so I agreed. The last couple? The last couple before the big wave. I never did like him. Why not? Well, I just didn't, that's all. Some people are take two, some are don't. The six cents I have. Well, I turned out right about them. Uh, would you care to tell us about this couple, Mrs. Robert? Oh, there's nothing much to tell. They kept to themselves. Never let me in once to come and clean. Said she preferred to do it all herself. In the end, they skipped out without paying the last month's rent. Oh, your typical city folk. Well, you must have had two months' rent deposit. Oh, matter of fact, yes, I did. I've forgotten all about that. How did you know? So, in fact, you weren't out of pocket. What were their names? Oh, I've been trying to remember ever since that thing was found in my well. Would you believe it? I can't. I'd like you to give me as detailed a description as you can of the two of them. Yes, I, I was uh, just going to ask the same thing. What, uh, what, what did he look like? Well, sir, I'd say he was uh, about your height and build. Mine or his? No, this gentleman. Detective Williams, uh-huh. Five foot ten. And if you'll pardon my saying so, if you didn't have a beard, Mr. Williams, I'd say the professor looked very much like you. Report to Chief Teller, Anchorage Police, from George Williams. I'm aware this should be a report on my investigation of the Juno skeleton case. But I'm afraid it has to be more than that. 
It's not easy for me to write this, but the evidence is clear and irrefutable. There is no doubt in my mind that the skeleton must have been that of my wife. The cottage and the surroundings became increasingly familiar to me as I viewed them. And I was practically identified by the lady owner during an interview. Why I murdered my wife and how I found myself at your doorstep here in Anchorage on Christmas Day three years ago are a complete mystery to me. Nevertheless, I hereby hand in to you my resignation and ask only that the law take its course. Sincerely, George Williams. Georgie, you got that report on the Juno case? Yes, sir. Here it is. Thanks. I'll look at it later. I wish you'd look at it now, sir. Well, I've got something more important than that to tell you. Have a seat. I know what you're going to say, sir. Oh, I doubt that very much. All I can say at this point, sir, is I'm very, very sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, if you'd look at the report now, sir, it would clarify uh, it. Just, just, just a moment, Georgie. First things first. Has Dr. Bertram arrived yet, Sergeant? Good. Send him right in. Yes, alone. I, I want to see him first. Come in, Willie. Hello, William. You told him yet, George? No. <laughs> I thought perhaps it, it's such a delicate matter, I'd let you handle it. William, suppose I tell you we know who you really are. I see. You both know. Well, you don't seem exactly pleased. How could I be? The inspector in Juno got in touch with me the day you started your investigation there. He was concerned because you seemed to know a great deal about a cottage. Where they found a skeleton. It all came back to me as I went from room to room. I knew, I knew I had been there before, but not my name. I stood looking at the gulf, hoping my name would come, but it didn't. Yeah, ask Mrs. Warren to step in, if you will, please. Oh, don't get up, gentlemen, please. Well, come right in, ma'am. Come in. Uh, hello, Robert. Uh, who are you? Don't you know me, Robert? It's your wife, Robert. I see. You are Robert Warren, George. Don't you... Re don't you remember anything, Robert? Uh, uh, do you mind if I sit down? Well, it's quite true, my boy. This is Amy Warren, your wife. Let me sit down beside you, Robert. Darling, give me your hand. When I got a call from Juno, Georgie... Robert, and you were identified as Robert Warren, a lecturing professor. I checked every university within 50 miles. And sure enough, the day that plane was hijacked, you had a speaking engagement right here in Anchorage. Robert, do you remember you were going away for a week? And I went up to Shepherd Peak to visit Mother and Dad while you'd be away? Do you remember that? Uh, we may be throwing too many memories at him for him to absorb them all. No, 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 no. Go on, please. And, and don't let go of my hand, either. I won't, darling. You had said you'd take that flight, the one that was hijacked. But when the plane got back, you weren't on it. And the next day was that awful earthquake and tidal wave. 
When I finally got back to our cottage, there was nobody there. I called the university. You'd never arrived. We all thought Mother, Dad, and I that you've been drowned like so many others. Swept away. Why? Why can't I remember? Why? Now, don't ask too much of yourself. Too much? Don't you understand, any of you, George? Williams' detective is a lot more real to me than this Robert Warren professor who, who you tell me I am. Well, sure not, Williams. I want to remain George Williams. Now, don't take that away from me before the other fellow becomes real. Oh, but I... I tried so hard not. They said, they come, don't give away the old feeling. Now that I found you alive, what can I do to bring you back? I wish I knew who you were when we when we got married. Anything about our life together, but there's a stone wall here. Uh, George, I really think we'd better stop this right now. I was supposed to be on a plane that was hijacked. I'm not on the plane. I start a new life. I go to Juno to investigate a, a, a skeleton. A skeleton. It wasn't my wife. Who was it? Well, don't you remember, Robert? It's the one you used for your lecture. You're you study. Darling, don't you remember Susie's skeleton? We used to joke about her all the time. Why, we used her for, for a hat rack when she wasn't working. way back to the North Alaska gate. And uh, a long time later, I came to. It's dark. My head hurts. Blood on me. I've been mugged, robbed. Everything gone. Coat, bag, money, everything. i got to get to Anchorage. No money. Hitchhike. Guy in the car picks me up. A guy in the milk truck. Guy in an oil tanker. Another car. Panel truck. Stay on Route 7, then 4, then back to 1. I gotta go all the way around the Rangel Mountains to get to Anchorage. It's snowy. Hungry. Out in back of that diner at Glen Allen in a blizzard, eating scraps of bread out of garbage cans. Open truck pulling out. Run, jump in the back. Hide under crates. Freezing, freezing cold. Ah! I've fallen off the back of the truck. My leg is busted under me. I see a light, a house. The snow is coming down real thick. Help me. Help. Help me. And I heard you crying for help outside my door. Doc Bertram and I found you lying in the snow. Oh, my poor Robert. Don't, don't cry, Amy. It's all right. I remember it all now, all, all of you. And I owe you all so very much. Well, I know you do, Georgie. <clears throat> and I mean to correct right now. George Keller, what are you talking about? <laughs> Willie, I told this man that someday I'd want my name back. The one I loaned him. The one you loaned him. And today's the day, Robert. Give Doc Bertram back the Williams. Give me back the George. And we're even. George Williams. It's a deal. <laughs> George Williams found himself. 
It's not often that a man believes he has killed someone, only to discover that it was but pieces of his past that had died. What do you suppose lies in his future? We'll see when I return shortly. Strange the way life has of showing you the bend in the road and the straight path. Our man who had lost his memory decided to remain part Robert Warren and part George Williams. And he set out to combine his interests and knowledge of anatomy with his love of detective work. And so, he became an anthropologist, which Robert Warren is to this very day. Our cast included Larry Haynes, Robert Dryden, Joan Shea, and Court Benson. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time... Pleasant dreams.